we declare today that we are yours and that we belong to you. And in the midst of the storms, we cling to you. Father, as, as we do wander out to where it just seems like everything is over our heads, we ask that you be the one that rescues and we turn to you for rescue. Thank you for everything that you are doing in the midst of all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to thank uh, the whole team, but especially I want to thank Allie today for just kind of stepping up this week and taking over for Ben. That's not an easy thing to do, especially when you live at South Lake Tahoe and you hear there's going to be several feet of snow possibly. Um, so I, I appreciate that leadership there and uh, very, very wonderful. That was good. Good time. Thank you so much. Um, have you ever noticed that our culture is weird about death? And maybe it's okay to be weird about death. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing. But it's almost like we take this stance that it takes everything we have to ignore that it exists. Let, let me give you a few examples. Um, I'll start with this one. About a month ago, I started noticing there was a little bit of gray in my beard, in my goatee. And so I thought to myself, I think they make this stuff called Just for Men that I can go get it and I can brush it into my goatee and everything will be fine. Well, maybe it's just the novice in me or whatever it was, but when I did that, it also made my chin brown. <laughs> and it just looked weird. Uh, it, it was one of those things that was just a very strange thing. Julie helps, has me help her dye the back of her hair on a regular basis because there's this weird thing that we have about gray hair, that it's, that it's this evil thing. I remember we could shave like that. That takes way longer, though. Maybe not for Dan. Doesn't take any time at all. <laughs> we have this relationship with trying to postpone aging, which really is this fight against our own immortality, our own mortality. And, and we enter into this realm where we have an industry that's a multi-billion dollar industry that their job is to make you appear younger than you are. Or I think maybe their job is actually to make you look more like plastic than you are. And, and so we embrace this culture that we have to do everything we can to not get closer to what is inevitable. The bottom line is none of us here going to live forever on earth. At one point, we are going to reach a moment where our earthly bodies are no longer going to exist. And we just have to wrestle and come okay with that. And that is one of the things that we do during this season of Lent. I mean, we start with Ash Wednesday, where we were reminded that from ashes we came and to ashes we will return. This is not a happy thing that we say to each other, but it's just this reminder of our own mortality. And sometimes having to face that is really tough. Unless you understand what it means to be a resurrection people. Last week we talked a lot about hope and resurrection and what that means that we become hope and resurrection people. Well, today's scripture is almost like they planned it to be back to back. 
because they did. But it's just going to be this reiteration of this idea that when you are resurrection people, we look at everything differently, including this idea of death. Now, death is always going to be scary. And we're always, and not scary because we don't, we aren't sure where we're going. Right? But there's, there's, here's here's my scary thing, just to share real openly about death. I, I hate the idea of leaving people. That's what's scary to me. I'm not afraid of if if Julie were to pass away, I know where she's headed, and I know it's going to be great. But it scares me to death to be here without her. So this is this is where this idea of how death is scary, even in the midst of being resurrection people, it's still this this unknown that's going to take place, and it's not necessarily unknown of what's going to happen to you, but unknown of what's going to happen to everybody else. And in the midst of this time. That, that we are currently in this, this COVID-19 business, that's, that's where I land, is I want to be others-focused through this. I, 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 Jesus says the greatest two commandments are love the Lord your God by yourself and love your neighbor as yourself. This, to me, is a neighbor issue, why I'm taking precautions. It's because this is an others issue. It's not just a me issue. It's an others issue. And so is death. So is any time that there is some kind of separation or, 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 or leaving of any kind. It's, it's an other's issue. It's not just about us, but it's how everyone internalizes, how everyone takes part in this journey that we have. And so Jesus, in our scripture today in John, is going to talk about what it looks like to be people of the resurrection so that as we go forward, it's not just about the fear. Several of you came up to me this morning, not just one. So if you thought it was your original idea, you weren't, you weren't original. Several people came up to me this morning and said, I am not going to be afraid of this. I, I'm not going to let this keep me indoors. And I said the same thing back to you. That's good. But remember the other. Remember the other. You don't have to be afraid. And this, this today, we're going to talk about this idea that we don't have to embrace this fear, but that there might be a way to see this as a resurrection people. So we're going to be in John chapter 5 today. We're going to start in verse 19. The, the actual lectionary reading for this week and the scripture that was chosen um, through this series that we're working through that, that the denomination puts out uh, for Lent, um, it started in verse 25 and went to verse 29. And I'm part of this, this group that meets on Mondays and we kind of talk about the scripture and feel it out. And we all kind of agree that this really needed to start in verse 19 because to certain, start in verse 25, it just didn't give enough of the passage. And just, just so you know, in your own personal Bible study, if you are reading a four-verse passage, it, it's a good practice to go back a couple verses and maybe go a little longer just to make sure you're not missing some stuff, right? And if there's ever a therefore, you always want to go back and see why that's therefore and, and just see what, what are they talking about? Therefore, do this. Well, what do you mean? What, so, j, j, so just so you know that we went back to verse 19, and this is where it goes. This is how it goes. Ah. Uh, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever his father does, so the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works. I want to stop right there, because this, this is the only version that I found that uses that word greater. Almost every other version says amazing in that word right there. And the actual Greek word translates to amazing. So it's this, 
So I want you, I want you to hear it like this. And I should have changed it, but I, I didn't because I don't want to like switch things around. But just know the other versions will say yes, and he will show him even a more amazing works than these, so that you will be amazed. Okay? That word amazed, I want you to take that and I want you to put it in your pocket because we're going to come back to that one because this is such a cool thing. For just as a father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to him who he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Those who will hear will live, for as the Father has life in himself, uh, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear this voice and come out of those graves. There's a lot going on here. And it would have been much easier to just tackle the four verses 25 through 29. Because there's a lot going on in just those. But it's so, it's quite incredible when you dig back to verse 19. But the first thing I want to talk about is this idea in this scripture that there is this concept of apprenticeship that's happening. Or in the church, we might call it discipleship. But, but apprenticeship is this idea that would have resonated with Jesus' audience so much. Because usually in this time, if your dad was a fisherman, you became a fisherman. If your dad was a carpenter, you became a carpenter. You went into the family business and you learned that trade. You became an apprentice and you began to practice those things. So much so that, that even now, sometimes when there's an apprenticeship relationship, you can tell who mentored the person because they emulate the work style. You, you, I, still to this day, when I get my fishing pole ready, I do it the exact way my dad taught me to do it. And I've never met anyone that does it the same way. The where I put the sinkers and the leader and everything is the exact same way he did it. And, and so it's easy to see that this could be something that we say, oh, well, that's, that's, that's the Bob Tuttle rig. And, and we begin to understand that. And so Jesus is saying that I don't do anything that the Father has not sent me to do. There's this like apprenticeship thing. And then once an apprentice becomes in a place where they are let out to go on their own, you know what they do? They operate on their own, but they don't operate outside the bounds of what they learned. And so that's why when, when, um, when I, used to, I used to have a job in Oklahoma City where I literally built like phone cable or Cat5 cable or different cables like that. And the people that taught us how to tie the original knots around that cable to keep everything clean, you could tell who trained the people. And still to this day, if I picked up a thing of nine pin cable, I would tie the knot the exact same way. I would never try to reinvent that. Did you know in this room right now, there are probably a dozen different ways you tied your shoes this morning? Wendy didn't even do it at all. That's right. She just slipped on her boots. <laughs> she can't tie. <laughs> but we learned, somebody taught us how to tie a shoe, and some of us still in their minds are like, here's the tree, the bunny goes around the tree, down the hole, up and around the tree. 
Some of us just tie the bows together. There, there's so many different ways. And when you watch someone tie a shoe, that is how they were taught to tie a shoe. And so Jesus is saying that all power of resurrection has been given to him by the Father who he is the apprentice of. And so he doesn't do anything outside of the will of the Father. Because this is how he has been taught to do it as an apprentice of God. He has been taught how to loose and bind, how to preach resurrection, how to bring life into the world. And God's, it says that God's purpose was resurrection. So therefore, the purpose of Jesus is also resurrection. The problem is, and, and, I, and I shared with my, my cohort on Monday, there's a lot of resurrection talk in this passage for Lent for me. Because resurrection is supposed to become Easter. But the, the thing is, is that we have this idea of resurrection that is a yet-to-come idea of resurrection. That resurrection is yet to come. And so as we journey through Lent, we know that on April 12th, we're going to gather. And we are going to say he is risen. And you're going to say he is risen indeed. And we are going to celebrate that resurrection. But if we only look at that as resurrection, then we're missing a huge part of this. Because Jesus came to preach the resurrection. Because the Father is in the business of resurrection. And so this apprenticeship has led to this idea that we are to be resurrection people. And so as Jesus begins to preach through this and begins to teach on this, and he says it twice in this passage, very truly I tell you, that is his way of saying, listen up, knucklehead. This is big stuff. This, I, I need you to get this part. It's like when a, when a pastor says, if you get nothing else out of this sermon, get this part. That, that is the very truly I tell you. And so he's going into this to make sure we understand that he has called us to be a people of resurrection, not a people of just resurrection on April 12th or wherever Easter might fall, but people of resurrection right now. Because see, resurrection is bigger than just physical death. That is definitely one aspect of it. One aspect of resurrection is definitely where Jesus models the idea that he walks in to the home of Lazarus, walks up to that tomb, and he says, Lazarus, come out. That, that is probably our most easy and easy way to grasp the idea of resurrection. And then we also have the, the fact that Jesus died on the cross and on that Sunday he was resurrected. He was no longer there. So we have this, this, this image of bodily resurrection and it's there and it's real. But what about other elements of resurrection? Because see, there's different kinds of death. And if you get 10 theologians in a room, you're going to get 12 opinions on what it meant in the Garden of Eden when they talk about, if you eat of the tree, you will surely die. Did that mean that we now became mortal creatures that are gonna have a death? Were we meant to be immortal? Like were we meant to never die? And then when we ate, we had to eventually succumb to death? Was that a spiritual death? Again, 10 theologians, 12 answers. But I think it's easy for us to wrap our head around the idea that sometimes we recognize in our lives spiritual death. That something has happened where, where sin has just abounded in our lives and we have died a little bit spiritually. Or we can see it on a corporate level. Because X, Y, and Z have happened, now we live in a world that is. So we have to be able to come into this thing with this idea that resurrection is not just the, the, the rebirth of a new body, of a dead person now alive again, from a literal stance. But sometimes resurrection looks like someone that is sick, someone that's a leper, someone that has been bleeding for 12 years and not been able to be in society, and Jesus saying, your faith has healed you. 
that has resurrected them on this whole social level that is so much bigger than just mean girls. The social level, now they get to go to temple again. The social level, now they get to pray in a group again. That, that is resurrection. That, that is something that was dead that is now made alive again. And that resurrection is just as real. All of the smaller miracles that we witness in scripture, all of them are resurrection-based, pointing us to this big resurrection that we celebrate on Easter. It is a journey of resurrection to the resurrection. So whenever Jesus speaks into someone that is broken, whenever Jesus touches someone that can't see, whenever somebody says, hey, Jesus, who sinned, this man or their parents that made him blind? And he can look at them and go, neither. This man was made blind for the glory of God. Now, you can see. And all of these things were there because that man's life was just resurrected. He is now able to walk. This is the resurrection that we have the power of. We have the ability to walk into someone's life who is spiritually dead. Who has is, who is, who is left this whole idea of everything behind. We have the ability to come alongside them and say, no, there is life for you. This is why we use the analogy of dead to life when we talk about baptism. Or when we talk about uh, people that, that, that don't know Jesus and all of a sudden they come into a relationship with Jesus. We use this, this, this idea of death to life because we've literally given them the gift of resurrection through Jesus. So now it's not just about what we celebrate on Easter. It's now so much bigger than that because we can bring resurrection all of the time. It doesn't just have to happen on one occasion. Now, let's, I want you to reach into your pocket and take out that word amaze that you put in there earlier. It's not really in your pocket. I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> the pocket was literally turned like this. Or um, Jesus says, there's going to be some great works or amazing works that you're going to be amazed by. And then we jump down further into the verse, and he says, but don't be amazed by all of this. Now, this was something that, to me, it's one of those issues that if you just read the Bible on the surface, you would, that's very contradictive. I mean, it contradicted itself. It said, don't be amazed. And then Jesus says, we're going to be amazed. And he acts like that's going to be a good thing that we're amazed. What, 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 what's, what, what gives? Well, this is why I hang out with people that are smarter than me. Because one of the guys in our preaching cohort is a, a, a Greek and Hebrew genius. I mean, the guy could, I, I think he could sit down and have a conversation in a dead language, and he wouldn't, it, it wouldn't even phase him. He, he could have a conversation as long as there was somebody else that could do it in a dead Greek language that we don't even speak anymore. And he says, wow, that's, that's very interesting. I know the word, I know the Greek word for amaze, and it's the same word in both instances. So it's not like we just, because the, the New Living says, you, you will be amazed by all these great works, and then it says, don't be surprised. When they happen. So they changed the word there, but he was he said these are the same words, but they're not the same tense, or, or we would say they're not the same context of the word. They, they, it changes it just enough to where it says this. I am going to do amazing things. This is Jesus talking. I am going to do amazing things, amazing resurrection things. But you shouldn't be amazed by them. 
because you claim to be resurrection people. So, in essence, what he's saying is the things you are going to witness are going to be amazing. But why are you amazed by them? I, I, I've told you it was going to happen. You've experienced them. I, I've shared this story with you before that I have a, 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 a very good friend of mine who's, whose brother, at the age of 22, was diagnosed with cancer nearly almost all over his internal organs. And, and, and the doctor's first preliminary diagnosis was not good. It was very, very poor. And man, we just bathed Stephen in prayer. And I, I don't know why it worked for Stephen. But we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And he went back to the doctor and the doctor said, it's still there, but it's not nearly as aggressive and it's not nearly as big. And so we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And then he went back to the doctor over a year later, and he was in full remission. Zero cancer left in his body. I, I was there firsthand for this. And yet when somebody tells me that story, I'm still, when someone tells me a different story, the same result, like the same kind of story, I'm amazed by that. But what Jesus is saying is, there's going to be amazing things. But don't be amazed. I'm telling you now it's going to happen. And so when you read about resurrection... Why are you amazed? I'm telling you right now that there are things that are going to happen that are great works. Don't be amazed by this. Just be able to say, God is good. God is so good. And you know what? I knew he could do that. I knew he could bring good in this. I, I, I knew that he would step into this situation. And it's amazing but I refuse to be amazed by the works of God in the world because I've seen it too many times. And I tell these stories of my past about how God has shown up, and all of you have these stories. Like, it'd be interesting sometime to just sit down with a video camera and start videoing your stories about how God showed up in a way that just blew your mind. That was amazing. And yet, if these stories happened to me again, I would still be amazed. As opposed to just going, well, yeah, of course. Of course God showed up. He told me he was going to. He has showed me he is going to. Of course he showed up. So the amazing things that are all around us, living in a resurrection world where we literally see death to life, whether that be physical or spiritual, we literally see people, this is why we call it born again, because it's death to life. It's the idea that we are born anew. We are new creations. All of this crazy stuff. And yet we go, wow, that testimony is amazing. You were there and now you're here. Whoa. But God says, I'm the God of resurrection. You're going to see it all over my work. Don't be flabbergasted. We can still be in awe of how awesome God is. But we don't have to be amazed that he is working in the world that he promised he would work in. We don't have to be amazed every time he steps into his world and says, I got this. We can rest assured that he's got this. And part of being resurrection people, see the way that the Jewish people understood resurrection was that it was going to be a time that everything has been restored to what it should be. And so if we are living in a resurrection world where everything is going to be restored as it should be, and we believe that God is the resurrector, 
And Jesus is the apprentice, which means he is the representative here on earth that is now showing us what resurrection looks like because he is working on behalf of the Father. Then when we see resurrection, we don't have to go, what? We just go, yeah, that's our God. The God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that split seas. The same God that delivered people. The same God that raised from the dead. The same God that did all of those things we read about can still actively do those today. And so maybe we'd be in awe at the power of resurrection. But we should never be, as the NLT says, surprised. Because that's how God shows up. Taking the ordinary, throwing an extra on the front end of that, and all of a sudden it becomes extraordinary. We shouldn't have been surprised when Jesus showed up in a stable. We shouldn't have been surprised when Jesus reached out and healed the cripple's hand. We shouldn't have been surprised when the eyes were made to see again. Because Isaiah told us that's why he was coming. We don't have to be surprised by this. God is going to do amazing things. That's it. And so when those amazing things take place, we go, God is so good. And he's good because he did exactly what he said he was going to do. And he's doing exactly what he's going to do. And that's not going to change. So as we journey through this idea of what Lent is, as we die to ourselves and we embrace this idea of death, the reason why we end our Lenten fasts with the celebration of resurrection is because death does not get to have the final word. That is not how we work. Resurrection has the final word. And because of that, we don't have to be surprised by a God that literally breathed life back into someone. That literally rose from the dead. We don't have to be surprised by those things. This morning, we're going to move into connecting time. But like I shared earlier, um, the band's going to come back, but you're just not allowed to touch their instruments after they do. Um, connecting time's going to look a little bit different this morning. I don't know if it's going to look different next week. Um, we'll see how it all plays out. But because of the communicalness of this thing, um, we, we are going to take the precautions that I mentioned earlier, and we are not going to be touching and feeling and all that kind of stuff. So what I want to do is I don't want to replace part of, part of connecting time. The biggest part is for you to connect with God. Pastor Jeff says it all the time, right? It's, it's your opportunity to connect with God. That's the most important part of this time. But there's another part of connecting time as well, especially when we have communion. Part of connecting time is that we are communally gathering and we are saying as a whole that we are connecting with God. So I don't want to lose that aspect. I don't want to lose the community aspect of what this looks like. So we're going to do a couple of things. Until this thing is under control or it passes completely, we are going to recite the Lord's Prayer together. And, and we are going to recite the Lord's Prayer with the idea that this is going to take place of that community aspect that we are going to read it together and we are going to pray it together. And that is going to take the place of the community that we normally have at the altars or at the, at the candles or even at the cards. Um, and then we are going to have 
what a lot of you grew up with, uh, just a really old school pastoral prayer time where we are going to pray together and we are going to intentionally come and seek to connect with God. And it's my privilege to lead you in that, but it's all of us doing it together. We still have the, the chest back there because I figure that you're the only one that's going to touch your check. We, we, we don't usually make a practice of, of putting a check in and somebody taking it out and putting it back in. If you don't want to touch anything, then you can go on our website and there's a little button in the upper right hand corner that says donate and donate. You can, you can give your tithes and offerings right there online. That's, that's an option that you can do. So what I want to do this morning is we're going to throw that up on the screen and we're just going to say it together. Serena, can you throw that where it says our father up on the screen? Join me in this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. The band's gonna play. And I'll come up in between songs and we'll do kind of an extended prayer time. And I want to share one more thing with you that I found that I think is just an amazing moment for us to embrace the last song of the morning with and take that in. So join us however you need to join us this morning. Please use this time to still connect with God. He's in your seats. Pastor Jess says it every week that if you don't want to get up, we believe that God is big enough to meet you where you are. And man, what a time for him to meet you. You don't have to have social distance with God. You can go and let him all the way in. So participate this morning by standing, by sitting, just in whatever posture you need to use to connect with God this morning. Thank you. 